calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy. Written and produced by Travis Heerman. Voice talent by Danielle McCarville and Zeus Legion. For more information, please visit TravisHeerman.com. This novel contains violence and mature themes. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 9. Beautiful lady, buffeted by rude spring winds, what sweet storm you make. Quito. Around mid-afternoon, the sun was too warm, and Kazuko was sweating inside layers of embroidered silk robes. Her light silk undergarments clung to her skin. She wished she could just remove her heavy outer robes, but that would not be proper. Kanishi had already seen too much of her, and the thought of how his gaze had been fixed on her, how his eyes had blazed so fiercely moving up and down, filled her with embarrassment. Removing her heavy robes had been necessary at the time. She couldn't move freely while wearing them. Hatsumi would not approve if she knew how much of Kazuko's body Kanishi had seen. Kazuko guessed she must have looked like a simple peasant trollop, clad in only her undergarments. Hatsumi often corrected her when she skirted the edges of decorum and etiquette. Sometimes it was a game, with Kazuko trying to see what Hatsumi would let her get away with. Kazuko sometimes enjoyed throwing Hatsumi into a state by acting improper, but it was only a game. She would never do anything purposely to hurt Hatsumi's feelings. She remembered how she had felt with the naginata in her hand, facing the oni all but naked. She had felt free and alive. She remembered the thundering of her heart, the balanced weight of the naginata, and the determination to do whatever she could to live. Although she would never admit it to anyone, she had felt free from the restrictions of class and society, free of the weight of too many clothes and responsibilities and obligations. 
All those trappings of life had seemed so meaningless when her torturous death was standing over her with a tetsubo in its huge hand. She wondered if that was what it felt like to be a man, like Kanishi. Society placed so much emphasis on the willingness to die, especially samurai. This willingness to die was expected of samurai women as well. Before now, she had never truly considered what dying meant. Her spirit would go on and be reborn, she knew. But to die, was she a bad person because she had wanted so badly to live? She could sense that Kanishi wanted to be a part of society. He wanted to belong somewhere. She, on the other hand, wanted freedom. The wild, rebellious notion that she should leave home and become a ronin crossed her mind. She could become a famous warrior woman, giving strength to women everywhere, saving them from cruel husbands. It would be so exciting. But leaving home would hurt her father, who had no children but her, and her mother had died giving birth when Kazuko was ten years old. The infant... Another daughter was born weak and sickly and had died within a month. Kazuko sometimes wondered what her sister would have been like if she had survived. She missed her mother sometimes, too. But she knew that her mother would have opposed her father in giving Kazuko any kind of martial training. Her mother would have wanted Kazuko to be a proper young woman. But not long after her mother's death, her father began teaching her the Naginata, she was proud of how well she had learned. The fight with the Oni had shown her that the endless, grueling hours of training had not been in vain. She looked at Kanishi as he dragged Hatsumi's stretcher, his brow furrowed, placing one foot in front of the other with complete determination, the sheen of sweat on his arms and face, a single crystalline droplet hanging from his chin, swelling until it let go, falling into the dust. Such a handsome face. A bit scruffy and unwashed, perhaps. But handsome. He would make a fine lover, she thought devilishly. She imagined an affair with him, like the court ladies in the capital with their surreptitious lovers. She wondered if he could write love poetry, like her Yuta, like the famous courtiers in the capital who wooed with such eloquent abandon. Then her gaze wandered down to Hatsumi's head lolling to the side with the rhythm of Kanishi's gait. A stab of pity went through Kazuko like an arrow, and her vision misted over with fresh tears. She dabbed at her eyes with her sleeve. Then Hatsumi moved her head, not a weak, helpless bobbing, but more like someone rousing from a nightmare. Her purpled eyelids fluttered, trying to open. Her mouth opened and released a dry croak. Kanishi, Kazuko said. Please, stop for a moment. He stopped and looked over his shoulder at her quizzically. She's trying to speak. Kanishi eased the stretcher poles down and stretched his shoulders and back. Kazuko knelt beside Hatsumi. Hatsumi? It's Kazuko. What is it? Are you thirsty? Hatsumi's dry, swollen tongue touched her cracked, wounded lips. A whisper came out that Kazuko could not hear, so she leaned closer. 
Hatsumi's voice was weak and hoarse. So thirsty. Water. Kanishi, please give me your water bottle. He handed his gourd to her, and she held it to Hatsumi's lips, allowing a trickle to flow into her mouth. Hatsumi gulped and swallowed, and the relief on her face was plain. More. Good, Hatsumi. You're going to be fine. Thank you. Hatsumi's voice was still hoarse, but much improved. Then she reached up with a quivering hand and pulled Kazuko nearer. She whispered, I'm very sorry, but I must make water. The pain is so terrible, but I fear I will wet my clothes. Can you help me? Kazuko felt the irony of Hatsumi's words. Her previously beautiful robes were caked with dried blood and covered with dust from the road. But she smiled and squeezed Hatsumi's hand. Of course I will help you. She untied the loop of twine that kept Hatsumi from sliding off the stretcher, eased the other woman's arm around her neck, and lifted her onto her feet. A hoarse, whimpering moan escaped Hatsumi and her face twisted with agony. Kazuko nearly faltered and wept at Hatsumi's pain, but she took a deep breath and held firm. She took a slow, small step, and Hatsumi followed. Tears poured down her swollen cheeks. You are strong, Hatsumi. You will be fine. Helping Hatsumi toward the bushes at the edge of the path seemed to take an eternity. All the while, she was conscious of Kanishi's eyes on her, his indecision between whether he should offer his assistance or remain apart from matters of such female privacy. Kazuko was glad he did not try to help. She could manage by herself, and in spite of Hatsumi's dire state, Kazuko still felt the pressure of ingrained propriety. Out of sight of the road, Kazuko helped Hatsumi lift the skirts of her robes and steadied her. Again, Hatsumi whimpered, Oh, Jizo, help me, it hurts. It burns. Fresh tears sprang forth in Kazuko's eyes, and she squeezed Hatsumi tighter. When Hatsumi was finished, Kazuko moved her back toward the road, but she shuddered when she noticed that the wet grass was sprinkled with large, dark blood clots. The relief on Hatsumi's face was plain, however, and that bolstered Kazuko's strength. Hatsumi's voice was clear, but still weak. Kazuko, is it really you? I have had so many nightmares. Am I dreaming? I can't wake up from them. So horrible. No, it's me. Be strong. You must be strong. So much blood. Her voice quavered with mixed sobs. So much pain. I can't stand it. Then her voice began to rise in pitch with the sound of delirium. I must be in hell. And you're not my dear Kazuko. You're a demon. Oh, demon, take me for good. I cannot stand it any longer. Her voice trailed off, and she sagged in Kazuko's grip. Kanishi stood with his back turned, pretending to look at the trees. Kanishi, help me! Kazuko gasped. Hatsumi was falling. In an instant, he was beside her, lifting Hatsumi's dead weight by the other shoulder. 
Hatsumi's head lolled, and she screamed at the sky. Don't touch me, demon! She struggled as they lowered her back onto the stretcher. Then she sank again into limpness. As Hatsumi lay motionless between them, Kazuko and Kanishi looked at each other, and their eyes locked. Suddenly, she felt as if her heart would burst. Sobs exploded out of her, uncontrollable and violent as a spring flood. She did not know how long she knelt in the middle of the road with her face buried in her sleeves. But when the tears had exhausted themselves, her sleeves were dark with wetness. She glanced with embarrassment at Kanishi. He sat quietly, gaze respectfully downcast, hands placed on his thighs. I'm sorry, she said, trying to smile at him through her tears. I must apologize for my weakness. I am too much trouble. Don't be foolish, he said. We should go. As they continued on, Kazuko was annoyed with herself for breaking down. Kanishi must be annoyed with her as well. Most men were either annoyed or embarrassed when a woman showed emotion. Then she heard something behind them and looked back. Standing on the road about twenty paces away was a rust-colored dog with large pointed ears and a bushy tail tipped with a dark spot like a fox's tail. The dog watched them quizzically, warily, its brown eyes sparkling with cleverness. Kanishi looked over his shoulder and a wide grin split his face. He called back, I thought you were lost. The dog padded closer, his nose in the air. His eyes flicked from Kanishi to Hatsumi to Kazuko and back again. A strange growling came from the dog's throat. Kazuko stepped back and gripped the Naginata in both hands. Put up your weapon. Don't threaten him, Kanishi snapped. She realized that she had brandished the point of her Naginata, so she snapped it back upward. I'm sorry. Is this dog yours? she said. Dogs had never been a part of her life. She had seen them, but they were things that lived around peasant neighborhoods or were kept for blood sport by a few samurai lords. The raw intelligence in this animal's eyes made her uneasy, as if the dog were sizing her up. It was only a few paces away now, moving toward Hatsumi. Its movements grew stiffer, and its shoulders hunched as it slunk closer to the ground, tail down, ears flattening. It growled again. Then she jumped in surprise as similar sounds came from behind her, from Kanishi. She stared and her mouth fell open. He glanced at her and said, He is my friend. There was something quiet and powerful in his voice. The dog and the man exchanged terse growling sounds as the dog padded closer to Hatsumi, nose extended, sniffing. The closer the dog moved to her, the more stiffly the reddish hackles on its neck rose. Akao said, Evil here. Terrible stench. Hurts my nose. Kanishi said, The Oni attacked her. We killed it. Did you see? Smelled the blood and came. Followed. 
The dog sniffed her clothes gingerly and drew back, snorting and spitting. Evil. We are trying to find a priest to be purified. The dog glanced at him skeptically. Bad spirit here. Dirty. Bad spirit. Kanishi looked at his friend. Sometimes Akao's words were so terse that understanding him was difficult, and Akao rarely bothered to elaborate. Akao moved toward Kazuko, sniffing her legs. Afraid. You are so frightening, Kanishi said with a wry smile. The dog sniffed in derision. Fierce. Rabbit's fear. Kanishi smiled. Good smell, this one. Good spirit. He raised his nose higher. Fertile. Receptive. Akao eased closer to her and rubbed the top of his head against her robes. Kanishi said, You are shameless. The dog stopped his nuzzling and looked at Kanishi. Man breeds any time. Dogs do not. Who is shameless? Then he returned to his demand for attention. Kanishi laughed. Sometimes he forgot how clever Akao was. He watched Kazuko as the dog nuzzled her leg. He wants you to touch him, he told her. Really? He enjoyed the mix of wonder and trepidation on her face. Then she reached down and stroked the dog's ear. Akao nuzzled her harder. He's so soft, she grinned. He calls himself Akao. You did not name him yourself? No. He told me his name when we met. She looked at Kanishi quizzically. What do you mean? You're playing with me. Kanishi said nothing. Akao looked up at her and wagged his tail. He barked once, tongue lolling from his smile. Let's go, Kanishi said. Hatsumi grew heavier by the moment. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Ronin, Volume 1 of the Ronin Trilogy by Travis Heerman. Volume 2, Sword of the Ronin, and Volume 3, Spirit of the Ronin, are available now on your favorite audiobook platform. Please visit TravisHearman.com, look me up on social media, or send me an email. I would love to hear what you think about the story.